Informed Dissent, brought to you by Firearm Training Associates. Firearms Training Associates is, is a lucky company because we have been able to draft in some of the best instructors in the world. We have special operations guys, we have guys from the U.S. military, from foreign militaries that work for us. They provide a great deal of insight into self-defense. So we developed this so that our customers could come on the weekends and get the best training in the world. We pride ourselves on our civilian training. It's our armed civilian that's one of the most important things to us. We want to teach them how to survive dangerous situations. When you come through the course, as long as you're performing at a acceptable level, you're going to get a certificate that puts our stamp on it. And we take it serious when we put our stamp on there. When you get our gold label, that means that you've passed the class that you've attended. Firearm Training Associates, proud sponsor of Informed Descent. Find out more at FTATV.com. Informed Descent. The intersection of healthcare and politics with Dr. Jeff Barkey and Dr. Mark McDonald. Well, Mark, great to be with you on another episode of Informed Descent. Hey, Jeff. We are excited to bring to you an outstanding guest that you and I both got to know over the last several years as part of the pandemic. And she is a frontline freedom fighting physician. And uh, we know her as uh, Dr. Stella Emanuel. So Dr. Stella, welcome to Informed Descent. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And I like that title, Freedom Fighting Physician. Hmm. Yes. How I do that. And you've been, do- you've been doing that for a long time. So tell us a little bit about your story and, and how you came to prominence during uh, COVID-19. Well, um, I was in, in Houston. Uh, I just acquired a clinic in 2019. I'm a trained pediatrician, actually. And then I, I for years, and then I kind of shut down my pediatric practice and did ER for years. And uh, that was just prior to coming to Houston. And I acquired this, you know, practice and the doctor acquired it from was from Japan. So we had a lot of patients, a good uh, 15 to 20% of my patients were from like Asia. So this is me in February of 2020. And this crazy disease is coming out of Asia. So I was terrified for weeks, for like the first two or three weeks, we dressed as if, you know, we were going out to, I mean, we just dressed like we were going out to outer space. And somebody told me that hydroxychloroquine was, they were using hydroxychloroquine in Europe. When I heard that, I was so excited. I said, okay, great. It's right up my alley. I went to medical school in Nigeria. I'm from Cameroon originally. So I was used to using the chloroquines, the quinones. We all took it growing up as growing up as Sunday, Sunday medicine to prevent malaria. We've given it to pregnant women, to children, to babies, to old people. So I was quite comfortable with that. So I just jumped in and I started taking care of patients. And so with that, I went on Facebook. I was like, yay. I was in a group of like 30,000 doctors. Yay, this, this medicine is working. Hydroxychloroquine works. At that time, uh, President Trump came out and said something about hydroxychloroquine and all hell broke loose. So we kind of got together with the doctors that we were just talking about this and we were arguing and fighting. So we met each other right online somewhere, Facebook, Twitter and everything. The few doctors that were in the front line talking. And then, of course, uh, Simone Gold got to, got us together to go to um, the Supreme Court and declare to the world that COVID was treatable. I basically left Houston because I'm in Houston. I basically left Houston, got out my family, told them that I'm going to D.C. I, don't, I think they are trying to kill people, and I'm going to D.C., and I'm going to speak up. I might not make it back. If I don't make it back, that's fine. If they kill me, they kill me. If I perish, I perish. So that was my attitude going to D.C., 
So <laughs> when I got to DC, I told all the doctors, you know, remember I said, well, y'all continue to, you know, come to the street fight with a doctor's suit. I'm done with that. I'm going to take off my coat and I'm going to street fight like a street fighter. So that is where my mindset when I, I was, I walked in front of that mic that day, just praying. I said, God, take control of my mouth, take care of my voice. I belong to you. Whatever I say, watch over this. And then I went royally off. Man, I went so off that when I look at the video now, I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I went royally off. But because I had no fear, I was not afraid to die. I was not afraid for them to do whatever to me. That is why I was able to speak that boldly. And then God in his infinite mercy used my voice that day to break the spirit of fear that had caged the whole world. So my voice was echoed around all nations, all over. I was in papers all over the world. We went, it was not actually, um, there were a lot of doctors that day. We were doing a whole day of teachings, you know what I'm saying? But nobody even cared about all that. They all, they only, they were just concerned about this feisty black woman that stood in front of the thing and went off. So I believe that God just used my voice that day. It was to bring mercy on humanity. And it was like a watershed moment. Something went poof in the spirit and they couldn't catch everybody and put them back in the cage. So we ran out and we were free and we were fighting and we've been fighting since. Many people found their voices. Doctors that were scared stood up. Everybody, people in different nations started fighting. And we're still at the battlefront and we're still fighting. And I thank God because many people are waking up. Many people are standing and many people are fighting and we're not going to give up. You know. Well, thank God for your voice. You mentioned something as you were talking about your background that I want you to explain a little bit more to the audience. And that is your experience using hydroxychloroquine. You described it from your country as the Sunday Sunday. Can you can you describe in more detail what you meant by that? Yes, it, we used to call it Sunday Sunday medicine because we uh, for malaria prophylaxis, they, we, we advise children, pregnant women, all ages, people used to take hydroxychloroquine or it actually was chloroquine, chloroquine, mefloquine, camoquine, flavoquine, daraprim. In, in fact, the in exact medicine that was Sunday Sunday medicine was daraprim. And, um, this was what we took daily for malaria. So we all, our parents used to gather us on Sunday and force this bitter pill down our throat. We hated it, but it stopped us from getting malaria. I think that can, kind of helps me now because for the past three years, I've been on Sunday, Sunday medicine. The reason why uh, this whole COVID thing did not hit sub-Saharan Africa was because people in Africa are aware of Sunday, Sunday medicine, and many of them take it for malaria. The second thing is that in West Africa, when people get a cold or fever or anything, they treat malaria first. So they go to the store and they buy anti-malarias. And most of these pinolones actually do treat COVID. So when we started in, in March and we could not get hydroxychloroquine, we used mefloquine and we had equally good results. When we got hydroxychloroquine, we switched. So many people in South-Saharan Africa have COVID did not really sit into that, those areas because of malaria. When COVID left Wuhan, China and went all over the world, it seeded into Nigeria at the same time. There are many, many Chinese people in Nigeria. But when they were going to Nigeria, they were all required to take anti-malaria to go to Nigeria. And of course, that anti-malaria helped to knock out the COVID. So they didn't seed COVID into Nigeria. COVID came into Nigeria from Europe when people from Nigeria traveled to Italy and they're like, and brought COVID back to Nigeria, but it did not take root. 
in the whole of sub-Saharan Africa, about, I think about 50,000 people died from COVID and more than half of those is in South Africa where they don't have malaria endemic and colloquine is not over the counter. So there are many scientists that will be like, well, somehow COVID did not hit Africa. Why? There are people are puzzled. It's a very easy explanation. They have malaria and they have hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, mefloquine, and all those quinolones over the counter. Even ivermectin, when we started using ivermectin later around, we started using around May of 2020, ivermectin too is over the counter in, in, in Africa. So people take it for river blindness, people take it for, for, you know, for parasites. So that is the reason why this, this thing did not really sit into West Africa. And anybody that wants to do a study about it can, but the people try to make, to behave as if it doesn't happen. You continue to use hydroxychloroquine in your patients to treat COVID? Till today, yeah. And we continue to take it as Sunday, Sunday medicine. I tell doctors, I said, there is no such thing as a common cold or this is just my allergies. There's no such thing as a, an innocent cold. If you have the mindset that anything upper respiratory, we, I have the same mindset like I had in Africa, that anything upper respiratory, anything feverish is actually, um, is anything upper respiratory feverish or whatever is COVID until proven otherwise. So like when you get a fever in, in West Africa, you take anti-malarials first. If it doesn't work, then you treat something else. So if people have the mindset that no cold is a common cold in this time when COVID is endemic, many of the people that get sick and end up in the hospital will not get sick and end up in the hospital. And, I, and I'm a, a great advocate for, for weekly hydroxychloroquine, taking weekly hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, whichever one they choose for COVID prevention, taking it with, with vitamin C, D, zinc, and some quercetin. I, I'm a proponent of that. So people that are around me, we don't get sick like that because we, I take, I've been on hydroxychloroquine weekly for over a year now, and I take it with Covilite, which is one of the products we did, you know, that has all kinds of enzymes and all, all kinds of, you know, um, minerals and stuff. So um, I still treat patients today. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a day that we didn't get like over maybe above 10 sick patients with COVID. I still treat them today with, with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Usually if I get a patient, if it's just prevention, we use one or the other, depending on the patient's uh, preference. But when people are sick, when people get sick, we hit them with everything. There's a whole cocktail that we use. We use hydroxychloroquine, we use ivermectin, and then we add ZPAC, and we give budesonide. And, you know, depending if they're nauseated, of course, we give them something for nausea. If they're they having diarrhea, we give them anti-diarrheas. And we recommend them use Covilite, which is a product we put together that's an electrolyte. Because one of the biggest things that make people go down in COVID is uh, dehydration. You know, and uh, for somebody that has, has supervised me and the physicians that work under me and nurse practitioners, we've seen over 120,000 patients. So it's, it's something that it's an experience that is, it's like, wow, you know. Recently, Medscape, Medscape did a hit article on me and that I was the highest prescriber of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. I think they found out that we had prescribed maybe about over 100,000 hydroxychloroquine prescriptions and maybe over 50,000 ivermectin prescriptions. I don't know why they did that, but hey, wow. anything, you know, so people do that. So, yeah. Well, you were a threat from the very beginning, Stella. I met you on a bus actually in DC during that that time that we were on the Supreme Court steps. And I asked you, who are you? And you said, I'm Stella Emanuel. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> and then you told me your story. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, you weren't uh, in the common public at that point. 
But what surprised me the most was as soon as you became outspoken, which, which happened very quickly, you became the epicenter of attacks. You were probably the, one of the most attacked people yes. on that Supreme Court steps. I fortunately mm -hmm. was not because it was like a hundred degrees and humid and we were wearing suits and it was in summer and it was all white granite reflecting light. And I got so dehydrated that I went and sat under a tree and I avoided the, uh, the massive takeoff of the, uh, the Breitbart live stream, but you didn't, you stepped up and started talking and then immediately you became attacked. And I thought it was so uh, terrifying, but also amusing because here you have a black African woman who should be yeah. the, the, the darling of yes, the I establishment. Checked all the boxes. Yes. You checked all the boxes. If, yes, if you had been a transgender African. lesbian black African, that's all that you could have gotten higher up on the totem pole. Female, you were like 90, African, everything, oh, yes. what, what else is there to, 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 to have, right? Yeah. And, yet, and yet you became the, and I would, I don't, I'm not even using a metaphor, literally like the devil incarnate of the, the of, of the left and the establishment. I thought that was that was both amusing and also very terrifying for how powerful the establishment was against those who spoke out against it like you. Yeah, that's weird though, because I think the only box I checked all the boxes, but I unchecked Libra. And I checked Oh well that's that's so, yeah. the reason that that, so, that was your fatal flaw, the most Stella. Important box that I should have checked <laughs> and I would have been like the darling of of course I would have been encouraging everybody to get you know triple jab and quadruple booster, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. I see somebody on the chat talking about COVID fatigue and hair loss. That's COVID long symptoms. We do have something for it. We did something called COVID light. This we've been working, I mean, Mark, we've been working tirelessly the past three years what you you know it you're 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 you're, you're you, you've been working with children and you know psych all this while one of the things that i said you know one of the things that i i always say for us is that as doctors we all need to do a post-mortem because prior to this we treated disease number one i don't know about you guys but i treated disease number two you know all these pharma pharma guys they'll walk into the clinic they'll bring a medicine they will tell us their research that they did, and we will take that research from them and start prescribing their meds. We didn't do more questioning because we kind of trusted them, you know? And then now I'm a whole new world has been opened to me like, oh my God, you know, uh, a lot of the flu that we had all these years could have been avoided if people just had vitamin D and zinc, you know? If people just had, I'm realizing that vitamin C, D, zinc, and quercetin is just as good to treat flu and RSV or to, no, not at least to build people's immunity against, you know, RSV, flu, and, you know, COVID. It's just amazing how much we have learned, you know. When monkeypox showed up, we found out about uh, Serocinia purpura. I, I, I read these things on the NIH website. There's so many studies up there. And when I read something about Serocinia purpura, it was a, uh, something that was used for, for smallpox and works very well for smallpox, monkeypox, chickenpox. So we created it. We create a pox defense that has Serocinia purpura. It was an old Indian remedy. They did a study on it. So there are so many things that they've done studies on that are like out there and we're just not using it for patients because the pharmaceutical company wants us to use drugs. And that's why I said, we doctors, we have to do a post-mortem and re-examine what we've been doing for decades now. Out in California, we still have difficulty with all the pharmacies that refuse to dispense ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Are you finding that a challenge in Houston, Texas? No. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, we do. We, can, we have doctors that are licensed in all 50 states. 
in the first few weeks, months, we would, uh, my staff would sit down and practically call like 10 pharmacies before we can find a pharmacy that will fill hydroxychloroquine or we'll call in scripts and then they will just cancel it. And then they wouldn't tell us, they won't tell the patient. So we did something like uh, maybe like late 2020, late 2020 or early 20, late 2020, we called for mom and pop pharmacies. It was overwhelming. We called for mom and pop pharmacies to rise up. So we created our own system. We have our mom and pop pharmacies that ship to all 50 states. So we don't call as a rule in my practice. We don't call hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin to a mainstream pharmacy anymore. We've not done that for like a year and a half. So when a patient comes in and they are sick, we tell them, okay, that's why we tell them, try and get it in your medicine cabinet. So if you're sick and you need to get, uh, if you need to get butacinite and something else, you can get that. So what we do is that if a patient comes sick right now, they go on our website, they sign up for a telehealth appointment. We send them, we call in butacinite, we call ivermectin and we call in whatever else they need. And uh, we call in butacinite and ZPAC or doxycycline, whichever one they're going to take. We call that into the regular pharmacy and everything else that they need, a nebulizer, whatever. So they start their treatment. And then my staff, my the pharmacies that I work with will overnight hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin to them. It usually gets to them the next day. They pay like $20, it gets to them the next day. So we have built this system that is off-grid and it's been it's just been so easy to do the work that we do without, you know, in the beginning, I had, oh my God, I probably had over 20 board reports because I'll call prescriptions to a pharmacy and they'll call the bots on me. So I had, I fought like at least 20 complaints that I had, you know, but now we just, you know, we, we pretty much created a closed system. So our pharmacies, their mom and pop pharmacies, patriots, they want to take care of people. And, you know, and these are a lot of pharmacies that the big pharmacies have practically almost knocked them out of business. And then we came back and we revived them and we gave them business. So we have a bunch of pharmacies that we work with and it's great. We're actually setting up acute care, tele-acute care. And with our tele-acute care too, our pharmacies are going to be able to take care of the patients if, you know, and we want to see um, whether they can, whatever the patients need, they should be able to get people a generic drug that is way cheaper than what they'll get, you know, and get from pharmacies and stuff. So that's what we're working on. We're working on right now. And, our pharmacies did not just prescribe, uh, did not just fill the prescriptions. We worked out with them like, okay, you cannot, we're going to give 50 hydroxychloroquine to patients and you're not going to charge more than $100 for it. So we basically capped whatever our pharmacies could charge. So we, we collect the money from the patients. We tell them this is how much, you know, most people like the ivermectin tablets, they are very expensive. Some people charge like $10 a pill, $8, $9. We got our pharmacists to charge just maybe like five dollars something appeal so we we work with them to get them to give the best prices they can give our patients and we give them all our business and you know it's it's worked out pretty good and kind of keep our patients taken care of and keep me from unnecessary pharmacies calling the bots on me so it's been good and i understand you don't just treat patients that are from houston but you have patients from all over the country yes we have doctors uh, I'm, I'm licensed in, I think, eight states, and we have doctors that are licensed in all 50 states. And uh, of course, most doctors don't realize this. Most doctors don't realize that with the plan, with the pandemic, okay, let me change that. With the pandemic treaty, not the pandemic treaty, no, with the pandemic, uh, how do they call that thing again? The government, the government had this, yeah, the emergency uh, declaration 
any doctor could actually see a patient in any state. Most doctors didn't realize that. So even doctors that could, they were like, oh my God, I'm not licensed in that state. No, without pandemic declaration, you could see a patient in any state because federal, even though the Fed, there are some states that just suspended their licenses, that if you had one license, you can work in any states. But even when somewhere like, no, we're not going to do it. The bottom line is that federal law trumps state law. So most doctors, even when we told them, they just didn't believe it. And many doctors just get terrified for nothing. But, you know, um, people want people want to ask me what states I'm, I'm licensing. I'm licensing Texas, Louisiana, Kentucky, Colorado, Michigan, uh, um, I think um, Arizona, Arkansas, and Connecticut. Why, why did you get licensed in so many states and how did you pick those particular states? Well, I just picked the ones that were easy to get. I see. <laughs> I work... <laughs> I had been, before this all happened, I was licensed in Louisiana, Houston, Louisiana. I was licensed in Houston, Louisiana, and Kentucky, in Texas, Louisiana, and Kentucky, before all this happened. Then I have a company that I work with that they do licensing. That's their job. So I called them. I said, y'all pick the easiest states to get licensed in and license me. So I paid them, and then they did, they did everything. I just picked the states that will not give me any headache, will not expect me to go take no fresh exams. I don't want to go back to school and all that good stuff. So that was you know, the, we just, they, they, they sent out random licensing, uh, this thing. And some, <laughs> I remember one state started asking me, send me a questionnaire to fill. Have you ever said demons can, <laughs> they asked me, have you ever talked about <laughs> demons can cause gynecological problems? Do you believe that there are aliens running our government? This is a, this is a licensing board. <laughs> <laughs> you should so frame crazy. that. That's a- <laughs> Yes. I know they were like they asked me like the strangest questions. That do you believe that um that you know there uh, uh, some of our leaders are aliens? Do you? <laughs> I was like yes, 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 yes. But do you believe that if you put on a dress as a boy that you become a girl? I yeah. know. Listen, I'm <laughs> I would have been like no. <laughs> it was it was weird. It's been a very interesting time. It's been a very interesting time. What's the, com- what's the company that, what's the name of the company that helped you get licensed? It's called Med- Medical Licensure Group or something like that. Uh, if you if you guys take me, I'll send it to you. Yes, because it's a thing that most doctors should use so that they can get their licensing. And they don't charge that much. I think they charge they charge less than $1,000 per, per state, including whatever fees that they charge. Yes, they're very good. So, um, so that was one thing we, we did the medical part. And then I, all of a sudden, you know, as an MD, you're growing up and you always, we actually love at chiropractors because I thought that, man, they have all these vitamin things going on. And I thought that was weird. You know, we always thought that <laughs> until COVID and I realized that, man, this stuff is good and helps patients. So I kind of got a switch to just not doing medicine as, uh, and also doing like wellness. So that is why we started. And then I realized like when we had, we take what our patients are complaining about and we try to put together something for them. Like patients are complaining about hair loss a lot. Some of the COVID long symptoms include hair loss. So we produce COVID hair vites that has, you know, ashwagandha, has like, you know, keratin and all the things to help. And it really helps. It actually grows hair regularly. So, you know, if, you know, instead of going to hair club for men, maybe you could just take some hair vites, you know? So we had that and then, the most that we did a COVID, we did a, a cleanse. The cleanse was really good because it's helping our patients to detox from the spike protein. It has like milk thistle, it has um bilberry, elderberry, it just has a lot of um 
he has a lot of, uh, you know, minerals that will help, you know, help the patients to detox from this spike protein. And then, of course, our Covilite was actually like our flagship product. It has um, resveratrol that helps with DNA repair. It has CoQ10 for the brain. It has Korean ginseng. It has guarana, which is actually like a natural occurring caffeine. So we did a lot of stuff, you know, because there's just a lot of different symptoms that people are dealing with, you know, and um, we've had to just, you know, there are people that are in, dealing with a lot of insomnia. You're a psychiatrist, you should know that, because there's a lot of insomnia going on because people are un- anxious and everything. So we put together something for COVID sleep. And uh, it had ashwagandha, it has melatonin. Ashwagandha is a natural anxiolytic, they call it. It has melatonin and it has some other things to help. So we've just been working really hard trying to just put together everything. You know, um, we're, we're hearing rumors about, you know, um, what do you call it? About Ebola and Malbec. So we put we're putting some kind of something together right now. I got uh, one of those naturopathic doctors to put together some stuff, some natural stuff from you got some e- Ebola yes. supplements that you can Yes, you we can have an Ebola supplement to our listeners. Yes, it's called In case you've been exposed to Ebola. No, no, no. It, Ebola and Malbec, you know, that's actually gonna probably be the next pandemic. It's happening in Africa already, Malbec and Ebola. So we, I'm just like, I'm looking at it like, whatever it is that they are bringing, we need to produce a supplement that will help people build their health against it. That's my mindset. Even potassium iodide, you know, if they nuke us, everybody needs potassium iodide to protect your thyroid. That that would certainly be interesting to, to see yes. people walking around uh, bleeding from their eyeballs and other orifices yes. uh, while developing radiation sickness from a nuclear catastrophe. That sounds like a, a movie script. Oh, yeah. I I... I I, I mean, COVID was a movie script. Remember? <laughs> That's true. Yes, yeah. it was. was it was. Script. It was the. Uh, what does Dennis Prager call it? The dress rehearsal. Yes. For the main production. Yeah. The next. The next series will be released soon. I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, I had a. I saw a video recently by Bill Gates, and they did one. You, any of you watch Event Two Hundred One? Did you watch Event Two Hundred One? Yes. There's a video right now. It's Event Two of. Uh, it's going to be two twenty-five. They're talking about uh, uh, there's a new pandemic and how we're going to respond and. That one is affecting children and affecting Africans, and it's going to be a GI. Um, I'm like, man, if Bill Gates starts doing, a, you know, a, any event, whatever, watch, you know. But at the end of the day, I would say people, don't, yes, at the end of the day, I don't think people should really be, people shouldn't be scared. Why I say people shouldn't be scared is, I know everybody thinks that this is a medical battle. It's not a medical battle. It's a spiritual battle. We, we do our medical thing to help to alleviate some of the craziness that's happening. But at the end of the day, it's a spiritual battle. And uh, when humanity realizes that it's a spiritual battle, they are coming at us with every weapon that they know how. Whether it's showing drag queens to our three-year-olds and getting them gender confused by the time they are nine and 12, and then they just take them to the hospital and you know cut some stuff off before they tell the parents. Or whether it's you know term abortions or or whether we're having issues with our licenses being threatened, mask and all the stuff that we're dealing with, it's it, it's coming in all directions. But I just don't want us to get focused on the medical part that we forget the big battle. The, the medical part was just the way they took to get us. Right now, the big battle. They've, they've actually moved from there. They've jabbed enough people and have enough people dropping whatever. 
They've moved you just from hit on the big I, picture, Stella, which yes. I agree with you. You the call it the spiritual picture, battle. Sometimes I call yes. it the battle for good, good versus evil. Yes. Or in the psychological sense, I call it the battle for uh, reality and truth versus fantasy. Yeah, the mm -hmm. battle for the mind. These mm -hmm. are different words, but they're describing the same conflict, which is, I fully agree with you. It's not a medical battle. Mm -hmm. If we get if we get caught up in that, we're going to miss the war. And the war is at a higher level, and it goes way beyond medicine. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's really a spiritual, psychological truth mm -hmm. versus uh, fantasy war. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 supra-political. It has nothing to do with politics. Uh, mm -hmm. this, is, this is something much more fundamental. And the sooner that we realize this, the sooner we'll be able to uh, actually conquer the the enemy. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know about uh, the CBDCs and all these bank drop bank fails. I think they've moved from the medical part and working on digitalization. There's something that these people said. Uh, the World Economic, you know, about the World Economic Forum. Any person that is awake that doesn't know about the World Economic Forum, you need to get back to sleep and then wake up again. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So the World Economic Forum has an agenda, an agenda 2030. And in that agenda, they have specific things that they want to do. They want all nations to be digitalized. Or they want the CBDCs to be introduced in all nations by 2025. And it's happening in many nations. And I'll tell you, there are some of the things that they want to do that they already have put together. Like they want to, re by 20, they have an agenda by 2030. Agenda 2030 is number one, to redefine the social contract, the way we look at things socially. The second thing is to decarbonize the economy, to digitalize everything. When they mean by everything, digitalize everything. Number four, to implement stakeholder capitalism. They don't want our current capitalism where you and I can make money for ourselves. They want stakeholder capitalism, which, which will mean that you and I will own nothing and we'll be happy and they will own everything. And they want this to be implemented in all nations by 2030. So there's, uh, so whether it's COVID or it's bank failures or is some, you know, whatever it is that they are doing or releasing chemicals or some war, it is all about marching forward to that their agenda. And I want human beings to recognize how evil and diabolic this is. You know, um, Mark, anytime I want to think that maybe uh, I'm overreacting, I just remember patients that called me from the hospital crying and begging for, for, for ivermectin and they refused and gave them randesivir and they died. I, wanted, I just want to remember patient, parents. I had people run out of the hospitals, ICU, meet me, get to the parking lot, call us, we give them medicine and they make it. And those that stayed in the hospital died. I just, there are some things that are just crazy. I'm thinking about the mask, putting masks on our two-year-olds and three-year-olds. I remember three, four-year-olds crying in the daycare, taking it off their faces and they are putting it on their faces. And I want to tell human beings, don't you ever forget. If you think that everything is okay, then you're going to, you're not going to, you know, your, your guard is not going to be up. We should never forget what these people are doing right now in Nigeria and the next past three months, you know what they did? They crashed. They basically told everybody to bring in their Naira and they'll give them new Naira because they want to introduce the E-Naira or CBDC in Nigeria. So everybody brought in their Naira. They mopped out over trillions of Naira out of the system. And then they didn't have money to give anybody. 
So we have local market women that can barely use a phone, having to figure out now how to buy and get money transmitted to them through the phone. And the Naira is the Nigerian currency. Yes, it's the Nigerian currency. They want to introduce the E-Naira, and they have destroyed businesses. They've destroyed people that are just struggling to survive. They are going to create chaos, and people are lining up in front of banks for six hours, and they can only give them 5,000 Naira. They can't get more. Old women now have to figure out how to use phones and digital currency, all because they want to introduce the e-Naira and get Nigeria digitalized. Do you understand? So this is evil. Businesses have been destroyed. People don't have food to eat. There's starvation because people's businesses are not working and they want to introduce e-Naira. So they don't care who gets destroyed in the process. They don't care who dies in the process. They don't care who gets sick. They don't care about our children. They don't care they are they have their goal to digitalize the whole world and control the whole world by 2030 but as a pastor and a minister of the gospel i tell people there will be a great reset but it's going to be done by god not by these fools you can explain much of what's happening in the world through the lens of corruption through greed through profiteering, but I agree with you, Stella, that there is a large percentage that remains that cannot be explained through rational means. And the only answer that I can come up with is the existence of evil. And we just have to pray. I tell America that um, America is still the beacon of hope. People are just, uh, there are a lot of people that are still, there are many nations that have already been taken over and they are still, I mean, the patriots here are fighting. And I thank God that we're still standing. And please keep fighting, keep standing. But make sure that in your arsenal, you have God in it. I am being that I'm a preacher and also a, I'm a woman of science and a woman of the spirit. There's a big dichotomy in what's going on. The people that the patriots that are fighting, the doctors that are standing and fighting, and they are fighting it like science. Some are fighting it as politics. Some are fighting it in the military. Some are fighting it in, in, in the courts or whatever. And they are fighting at that level. And then they don't understand. They don't fully understand the spiritual battle or how to fight it. Then on this other side, we have the church that will probably have an understanding how to fight spiritual battles. They don't have a clue what is going on. They are just singing and dancing and catching their breakthrough and going to their next level. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? And there are many, many pastors that don't care. They are not preparing the people for what's coming. And they are just dancing and, oh, hallelujah, come and pay your tithes, catch your next level. So there's a dichotomy in the battle. And so the church and the world has to come together. While the church gets information, the world needs the spiritual part. So Stella, as we uh, as we close this episode of Informed Dissent as a preacher, would you lead us and our audience uh, in, in a prayer for this country? Yes, I would. And like I said, if you go to my website, drstellamd.com, you can get all this stuff, even prayer, even for those that are jabbed, that want to repent, there's prayer on our website. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, oh God, for this for this program tonight. I thank you for those that are listening. I pray, oh God, that the eyes of our understanding will be open and we will hear the truth and the truth will set us free. In the name of Jesus, I pray, oh God, that you will break the spirit of fear that has paralyzed a lot of our people, that it will be broken off their minds, of their hearts, in the name of Jesus. I pray that you will wake up the church, that the church will see the battle for the nations and the church will arise and do their part in this battle in Jesus' name. I pray, oh God, 
God, that everyone that is fighting, oh God, the patriots that are standing, those that have been locked up in prisons, those that are fighting in various people that have lost family members, I pray, oh God, that the peace of God will come upon every one of them in the name of Jesus. I pray for husbands and wives and fathers and parents that have lost loved ones to this senseless battle, that Father, that you would just comfort them in the name of Jesus. I pray that you wake up the world, wake up people to see the battle that we're fighting, oh God, and give them strength to stand and fight in Jesus' name. I pray that you release a spirit upon everybody to be prepared because we, we, we lose the battle, oh God, when we comply. Arise, oh God, and let there be unity in the force of humanity to fight so that we can be victorious. I pray peace over this show. I pray peace over your, your, your son and that are doing this show right now and every other patriotic show in this nation that you release peace, you release protection, and you give them a voice and a mouth and wisdom that people will hear them clearly in the name of Jesus. I pray for prosperity, oh God, that people will not fight and be a casualty in the name of Jesus. King of glory, I pray, oh God, even for our politics, for our president, oh God, I pray, Father, that you will rise up the real president of this nation in the name of Jesus, and America will continue being the light to the world, and America will continue being a beacon of hope in the name of Jesus. King of glory, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Stella, thank you for joining us on Informed Dissent. It's been an honor to have you. It was my honor. Thank you. You've been listening to Informed Dissent with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board-certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Informed Dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics.